Hi, and welcome to the WhoCast, a podcast where we explore the unexpected ways that brands are using social for their business. My name is Emily. And my name is Liam. In this episode, we're talking all about LinkedIn. It's a social network that has changed a lot in the last few years. When LinkedIn started back in 2002, it definitely wasn't the cool kid on the block. The cool kid on the block? Yeah, it's an analogy. Is it? (laughs) Anyways, while other social networks were competing for the cool crown, LinkedIn quietly became one of the most powerful social networks in the world. It boasts the world's largest professional network with over 530 million members in more than 200 countries. On our show today, our CEO, Ryan Holmes, will be speaking with LinkedIn CMO, Shannon Brayton. Shannon has over two decades of experience working for some of the world's most disruptive tech companies, including Yahoo, eBay, and now LinkedIn. Shannon started as a PR exec with LinkedIn before transitioning to the CMO position, so she's been with LinkedIn through a lot of changes. Today, Shannon draws on her years of experience in PR and marketing to give insider tips on what brands and leaders should be doing on LinkedIn. So without further ado, we'd like to hand it off to Ryan and welcome Shannon to the show. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome to the show, Shannon. Really excited to have you join us today. You've been working for a long time in Silicon Valley and spent most of your career in PR and comms. And in 2015, you took the role as the CMO of LinkedIn, previously working as their communications executive. So I want to ask you today, what has it been like moving from PR communications into marketing? It has been fun and challenging, I would tell you. Um, The fun part, I think, is really the fact that I've learned more in the last two years than I had in the previous 10. So it's basically been the most condensed version of marketing that you could ever imagine. And I have absolutely loved that, even when it's been really hard. And I say challenging, really, because I had essentially done just corporate communications for 20 years. And so I had a bit of a bias against marketing because as your listeners probably know, comms and marketing bump into each other quite often. And for me to get rid of those biases and then learn more about the team and figure out exactly what they've been doing and all the things that I pushed against for many years was definitely challenging, but highly interesting. And at the end of it, it's been two and a half years. It's been incredibly rewarding at the same time. It's a really interesting era that we live in when you think about the breadth that I think any executive role, but you know, when I think about marketing roles, you know, you need to be a demand gen quant expert, you need to be a comms expert, you need to have all of these um, arrows in your quiver. And uh, right now, I think it's one of the most interesting times for comms expertise. We're seeing a lot of different perspectives uh, being demanded by by businesses and by leaders. How are you helping Jeff uh, kind of navigate some of the communications needs that he has? Well, part of the reason that Jeff wanted me to take the role is because he was one of the first CEOs that I'm aware of that really saw that convergence of marketing and decided that putting it under one leader at the company actually made the most sense. Because what was happening is we were creating a lot of content that was essentially bumping into the same type of content that the marketing team was creating. And so I think Jeff realized early on that those narratives and the way that you tell your company story and your brand, it's essentially the same thing. And so we've had a lot of, we've actually gotten quite a bit of synergies out of having it all roll up to one leader. And it is true how many, um, 
arrows in the quiver, as you said, you have to have. My current team, it's 500 people, and I have everything from, I like to tell people, I have pricing, everything in between, and then social impact, so all the for good work that we do. So it's a really wide spectrum, and it's true, and I think that's one of the hard things about being a marketer these days is you really need to understand a little bit about you know, a hundred different things. Mm-hmm. I absolutely see that. I mean, social has changed the customer relationship in so many ways, where people can interact with a brand, how they talk about a brand. And uh, you're in at a very interesting time and era, I think. So, um, you know, one we, you mentioned briefly, Jeff, and one question I had for you was around authenticity in business. I think he's been known as a, a very authentic leader. You recently wrote a really interesting article about how you won't hire someone until you've had lunch with them. Are there any tips you can share with people on how you can have really uh, authentic interactions on LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. I think what um, one of the pieces of, of advice that Jeff will give to CEOs that ask him about how to approach social is to make sure that there's no one on the staff that is responsible for writing your stuff. And that's sometimes hard for CEOs to hear because they think, oh, my God, how am I possibly going to find the time to do this? But I think when you have someone who is writing on your behalf, Readers and listeners, they know when it's not authentic. And so Jeff does all of his own social media himself. Like I will literally be in the feed and on LinkedIn or Twitter, and it's all Jeff's words that he uses when he goes to do a status update. And I think you can really sniff it out when CEOs or executives in general aren't being authentic or are having somebody write their stuff for them. And so that's kind of the number one tip is to do it yourself. And it doesn't have to be a long post. It can be a short blurb about something that happened to you during the day. It's amazing what can, what it can do for both recruiting and retention of your own employees. Interesting. I think that's a, a really good perspective. So just getting kind of a little bit more into the authenticity and, and professionalism, what are some best practices uh, on how people can remain professional and authentic and any personal strategies that have really helped you in your career? So on the professional side, I think when you really think about the guardrails between a Facebook and an Instagram versus a LinkedIn, we really do encourage people to make sure that the content they're posting remains professional. So I think things that are political in nature or pictures of your baby, they don't belong on LinkedIn unless you've got a way to dovetail it back to your professional life. And so I see a lot of people who will make that mistake and post something that's highly personal and not as professional. And people will respond in the comments and say things like, this is not Facebook or this doesn't belong here. And so I really encourage people to think about their social media life in two very distinct ways. LinkedIn is the place where you talk about work and your profession and your industry. And Facebook is the place you talk about your kids and your Halloween decorating. Other than that, I think you really it's really important that you kind of draw that invisible guardrail in your mind when you go to join social media and want to share something because people expect a certain thing on LinkedIn and they expect a certain thing on Facebook. So I I recently did, um, as you know, a LinkedIn social leadership course, and that's going to be going live pretty soon. And and I always give my six tips on social leadership and, and comms for leaders. And picking your channel is always one of the top things that I talk to people. You have to know the right channel to communicate on. And I absolutely agree with you that, you know, baby pictures aren't really the right thing for the LinkedIn channel, unless you tie that back to a great business comms piece around why, you know, what having children taught you about being a better leader or something like that. But it's pretty rare that that's going to make sense on LinkedIn. 
I've seen moms will post pictures of their kids upon returning from maternity leave and talk about what their maternity leave was like, what it was like returning to a job. I think that's inherently appropriate on something like LinkedIn. But just sharing a picture of your cute baby in their Halloween outfit um, is not something we encourage because people just have come to not expect to see those types of things on LinkedIn. And as the world has become more and more political and you're seeing more and more unfortunate chatter on places like Facebook and Twitter, I think we've sort of disproportionately benefited because people are thinking of LinkedIn more like a respite from the political discourse. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, Shannon, in, uh, in an, an article of yours, you talked about reverse mentoring as being essential uh, in, in your onboarding from PR to marketing at LinkedIn. I love the concept of, link, uh, of uh, reverse mentoring. Can you explain to our listeners what reverse mentoring is and how it helps you better understand LinkedIn and, and excel in your role? Sure, absolutely. So think about it. I'd done comms essentially for 20 years, and one day we announced that I'm going to take the CMO job on an interim basis, and about 50 different decisions come to me to be made within the next two days, and I have zero idea what anyone is talking about. (laughs) I also didn't know any of the names. I didn't know the people in the world, and so in the marketing world. So I essentially... I picked the 10 or 12, I think we ended up getting up to 12, different topics that I was the most clueless on. And that list could have gone on even longer, by the way, Ryan. Um, But we picked the top 12, and we essentially found the people in the organization, kind of at the mid-level manager, we picked five or six people who could come in and tell me a story about their topic. So demand gen, search engine marketing, content marketing. (laughs) And we picked cross-functional people to come in and not present to me necessarily, but tell me a story about what it is that they work on, how I could get smarter about it, what was working with it and what was not, and what did they want me to know about their area. And it was so incredibly helpful, one, because it expanded my knowledge in a very short amount of time. We kept these to like one hour sessions. And so incredibly helpful to have somebody, a group of six come in and share just what's on their minds for the hour. And then I got to know a lot more people more quickly, and not just the people that were going to report to me or report to them, but it was deeper down the organization. So it expanded my knowledge of the team in a really material way quickly. I love the concept of reverse mentoring, and I think that that's such a testament to the power of it, You know, to be able to get you ramped up to be the CMO at one of the most popular and well-known social brands and, and business brands. I have a lot of leaders that ask me about how they can get onto social media and do better on social media and do better in comms. And my recommendation to them is always to go and find the superstars in their organization that understand social really well. And if they need to reverse mentor with them, just to get an understanding of what they need to be doing, what they need to be talking about, their channels, all of these things, because Absolutely. there's the domain expertise is there. And uh, you just need to tap into it. And, uh, you know, I think for some leaders, it's a little bit maybe humbling and it, and it puts them yeah. out of their comfort zone. But uh, did you have any, you know, what was, do you have one story that came out of that that has been just an invaluable, I mean, I'm sure they were all valuable lessons, but anything that was really stand out in terms of this is the coolest story that came out of those, those reverse mentoring sessions? So you hit the nail on the head in terms of it being a humbling experience. And you do have to bring a level of humility to it because I've told a few peers about it and they all looked at me agog that I would actually invite um, younger people, younger, quote unquote, (laughs) more junior people to come in and explain something to me that I had a bunch of, you know, ostensibly dumb questions about. 
And so there is a humility piece that really kicks in, but it really went miles for me because I think people appreciated that I was willing to admit what I didn't know. So I think that's sort of one of the lessons. In terms of the stories that came out of it, I did a product marketing manager reverse mentoring session. So I brought PMs from a variety of different groups inside my team to this one meeting to talk to me about product marketing. And when I walked into the room and I introduced myself to everybody, I noticed that a few of them were introducing themselves to each other. So these are people inside the same company, inside the same organization, marketing and communications, basically doing the same job at the company and had never met each other. (laughs) So it was really fun for me to connect those dots. And what's come out of that is that we now do a really regular PMM roundtable where they all get together on a regular basis. We're now building curriculum that's very specific for them. And had I not done that in a cross-functional way where I realized they didn't know each other, I never would have thought that that was a need. And so a lot of ancillary benefits came out of the reverse mentoring in addition to trying to get me a little bit smarter about each of those areas. I love it. When I see people meeting each other for the first time in a meeting uh, yeah. you know, at, at Hootsuite, I just think, wow, we need to do this more often. So that's great to hear. I also really liked what you said about asking the dumb question as a leader. And, you know, when I, hey, when, when you get in a big room, you have to be empathetic to your, your, uh, your team. When you get in a big, you know, roundtable meeting and, and the big boss is there and, you know, somebody says some buzzword acronym, it's really hard and intimidating to put up your hand and say, hey, I don't understand what, you know, this acronym means. Can we explain that? So I always try to ask the dumb question as the leader to, you know, A, set the table that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask the dumb questions. And often I'll do it for the benefit of everybody so we're all on the same page. And, and getting rid of some of those acronyms I think often helps in business because you alienate anybody in the, in the audience that doesn't know uh, what the acronym is. I totally agree. And I think putting yourself out there to ask the dumb question, like you said, it opens the room up to do more questions and for people to feel more comfortable with the unknown. I think one of the other reverse mentoring things that's been really interesting is trying to stay up to speed on technology. So I did a reverse mentoring session related to Snapchat because, you know, I'm a little bit out of Snapchat's demographic and I wanted to know more about it, both from a marketing platform. And so when my eight-year-old ends up on it, I'll know what she's doing. Right. So I, I've been trying to stay up to speed on the new cool technologies through reverse mentoring too. And that allows me to ask a whole bunch of dumb questions, which is um, really fun because it'll make me eventually a better executive marketer and parent longer term. <laughs> I love it. Well, Shannon, it's been really great having you on. Wrapping up right now, and I want to ask you the the real question of the day, uh, which is, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received uh, in your career? The best piece, I would also contrast it because it was somewhat of the worst advice, but the best piece of advice I've ever gotten is to bring your whole self to work. I was recently asked by someone what the worst piece of advice I got was, and someone told me to stop talking about my kids at work because they didn't think that it was necessarily professional. And it really was the worst piece of advice because I realized bringing your whole self to work allows people around you to do the same. And you don't want people being going back to authenticity, Ryan, right? Like one, you want to be the same person you are at home that you are at the office to the extent that it's appropriate and professional. Um, But I think it's though my kids are part of me. And so it is something that I feel really comfortable talking about at work and it allows other people with kids to have conversations with me about it 
if something's going on in their life. So worst piece of advice, don't talk about your kids at work. And best piece turned into bring your whole self to work because you're going to be a much happier, more authentic leader. I think whoever gave you, <laughs> gave you the bring your whole self was very wise in their, uh, in their advice. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today, Shannon. It's been wonderful having you on. Absolutely. And uh, look forward to catching you soon. Thanks, Ryan. Well, that's our show for today. We would like to thank Ryan for hosting this episode and a big thank you to Shannon for taking the time to come on the show. We hope you enjoyed some of the insights that she was able to offer on being an open and active leader, as well as her tips for best practices on LinkedIn. If you would like to learn more on how to improve your LinkedIn game, we will be including some related blog posts in the show notes. So thanks for checking out the show and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 